Well, Dan, I'm too old to get a different job. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, I've been using that opening for a very long time, created by a friend years ago, and I never get tired of it. I never get tired of hearing those questions. Do you love your job? Do you think it's possible? Well, if you've been hanging around here for any length of time, you know I think it's possible. And we hear from a lot of people who think it's possible. We're going to hear some of those stories and more. But every week, we dive into real-life questions about finding your passion. Today, we got a lot of questions about applying for jobs, being able to find work in a traditional way. So we're going to look at that as well, but got some other exciting things to share with you. Got a couple great business partners today, those being FreshBooks and Health IQ. You can go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days, enter 48 days in the how did you hear about a section and get a free unrestricted one month trial of that accounting software. I want to tell you a little bit more about that in context of a, a story we've got coming up here in a minute. Also, our friends at Health IQ. Now, this is an insurance company where they help health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, marathoners, vegetarians, vegans, and so on, get lower rates on their life insurance. You can go to healthiq.com slash 48 days to see if you qualify. Now, I started off talking about, I'm too old to get a different job. That's a real life question from somebody today where it came in who the question read a little more, but I'll give you a little bit more and then we'll, and when I get to that, I'll give you even more context for it. But he says, I'm in a job that is being phased out. I'm too old to get a different job. I have a lot of debt with no retirement and my marriage is falling apart. Wow. So we'll unpack that. I got some information about you know, what if you are 50 years old? What if you're 55? What if you're 60? What if you're 70? Are there still opportunities for you? Well, there are. And you have to recognize that is one imagined obstacle in the same way that I hear from people that say, gee, I'm 23 years old. Nobody will take me seriously. Gee, I don't have the right degree. You know, I got the wrong degree. So like any other perceived obstacle, being too old is simply one of those. We'll talk about that. Other questions. How can I get companies to stop looking at my past work experience? Interesting question. Number three here. How would you go about approaching an intro or cover letter and pitch to a company in an industry that demands results in which you have no experience? So how can you realign yourself? If you've had experience in one thing, you want to change and do something else. Then somebody wants to know, how can I apply for a job in another city without moving there first? Well, great questions, those and more. Here's our quotation for today. Now, you know, this is one of those I looked up. I, I knew the quotation in my head and I look it up and I get multiple people who have it attributed to them. <laughs> so you, you can decide. Here's the quotation. You are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. Now, don't you love that? You're never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. I love that. Now, that's most often attributed to C.S. Lewis. You see it out there on Pinterest. 
another kind of memes with C.S. Lewis. And I think that's cool. Well, there are people who pride themselves in trying to discredit quotation attributions. I've never really been sure why people spend a lot of time doing that. But anyway, people say they can't really find that in C.S. Lewis's material. And the first time it showed up was in a presentation given by Les Brown. So whoever, whatever, hey, make it your own. We'll change two words in it and you can attribute it to Dan Miller. You're never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. Dan Miller, pass it on. Well, hey, let's go look at some of the things here. Let me, let me tell you a little bit more about Health IQ. Now, they use science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance and for people who really care about their health. I mean, isn't that, doesn't it make a lot of sense? If you're just grouped in with people who go to McDonald's every day and are obese, wow, what a pain to have to pay life insurance rates based on the mortality of people like that who don't care about themselves. Well, that's not the deal. You know, we know that people who go with Health IQ customers, Health IQ customers are saving up to like 33% on their life insurance. And I'm getting notes from people. Got notes from Ben Eubanks, got notes from uh, Dr. David Powers, others of you who are letting me know that you have done this. You applied and you have in fact gotten better life insurance premiums. I love to hear that. Well, we know, you know, lifting as an example, reduces your risk of heart disease, type two diabetes, arthritis, while strengthening bones and improving sleep. People who are physically active have a 34% lower risk of all causes of mortality, 56% lower risk of heart disease, 22% decrease in cancer mortality. I mean, all those things, I mean, we know that. I mean, vegans have a 15% lower risk of all causes of mortality. Um, they have a 9% lower risk of cardiovascular disease. Vegans have a 16% lower risk of cancer. Well, all those things. So if you're doing any of those things, hey, you want to check out, talk to my friends over at healthiq.com. So go to healthiq.com slash 48 days. And then just mention 48 days when you talk to one of the delightful people over there, they'll follow up immediately and give you some good news about your health insurance or your life insurance rates. Now here, here's, uh, we want to share some good news things here. Always got lots of them. It's not hard to find good news in today's environment. Believe me, what you see in the late night news and on popular news stations is not good news, but there's plenty out there to find. Here's, a situation that happened just right here where I live in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Donations pour in for a sick boy after dad jokingly responds to an accidental text. Now, here's the deal. Somebody texted this dad, and it was a picture of a girl wearing a really beautiful evening gown asking if it looked good on her. So, Tony Wood, who's a father of six kids in Spring Hill, Tennessee, responded to the photos by saying, I, I think this message was probably intended for someone else. My wife isn't home, so I couldn't get her opinion. But the kids and I think you look great in your dress. You should definitely go with that one. And so they sent a picture of, of the kids all with their thumbs up. Well, the gal who received that posted the exchange on Twitter and it immediately went viral. And what they found out, social media users found out that there were two people missing from the photo of that happy family. Tony Wood's 
wife and his son, Kaisler, had both been at the chemo clinic when the photo was taken. Kaisler is only six years old. He lives with leukemia. For the last 26 months, the Wood family has been trying to raise money for his chemo treatments. Before the tweet of that accidental text went viral, the last donation that was made to their GoFundMe page was from four months ago. Then, a Twitter user posted a link of the crowdfunding page that was linked to this family. Just all came about as kind of accidental social media buzz. Some Twitter users joined my son's Facebook group, Tony says, took the initiative to post the GoFundMe link themselves. It's been insane. Over the course of the last few days alone, they've raised $35,000. Now, this is for a little boy who has cancer. The family's struggling. They have some coverage, some medical coverage, but certainly not enough to take care of all the expenses and the extra travel, loss of work time and all of that. $35,000 came in as a result of getting, uh, responding to an accidental text. Well, fun stuff. You know, if you came into a bunch of money unexpectedly, do you know how to handle it? Do you know what that's going to do to you tax-wise? Now, check this out. I mean, tax season is here. There's a good chance a lot of you are trying to dig your way out from underneath a pile of receipts, spreadsheets, and, you know, maybe unexpected income or lack thereof. Well, do yourself a favor, stop digging before you completely disappear under that paperwork. Check out FreshBooks, cloud accounting software. Not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, it can actually change the way you feel about dealing with your taxes. And I talk about this a lot, the fact that when tax time comes, good or bad, I've got my records in great shape where I can just turn them in, my CPA be ready to go, with that deadline approaching us all now, April 15th, where we need to know what we owe the IRS. So right now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. All right, here's another great story. A single mom pizza delivery driver moved to tears after the church surprises her with a massive tip. Single mom of two, Monique Hall, thought she was just being called to another ordinary pizza delivery until a local church invited her to come up on stage. The pastor of New Life Covenant Church in Chicago had spent the month of February last month encouraging congregants to honor strangers by performing random acts of kindness. In order to be a leading example of his preachings, the pastor ordered a pizza delivery to the church's address. So Monique Hall happened to be the driver, just random. They didn't ask for a particular driver. So she works as a driver for Domino's. She arrived at the church doors and was a little confused as to why they asked her up on stage. The pastor then placed a hundred dollars into her hand as a tip for the delivery. Then he asked 10 more people in the congregation to contribute to the tip as well. Now people just started coming up, piling cash into Hall's hand until she was eventually moved to tears. When she left the church, she was not only carrying a basket full of money, uh, but she was also given a gift bag for the road, becoming an ambassador for the moral of the story herself. Now, this is always amazing. When we hear about people who are at the very bottom of the barrel economically or people who are homeless. So here's what she did. She paid the kindness forward, sharing the tips she got with fellow delivery drivers. 
She says, I definitely wasn't expecting it, but I knew that I'd been struggling for a long time, being a single parent, especially trying to make ends meet. So when they did that, I was overwhelmed. I was shocked. I felt so loved by them. All I could do was cry. I mean, what a neat, simple gesture just to surprise somebody in a service industry like that with an outrageous tip. I mean, do that. I mean, Joanna and I have a lot of fun with that. Sometimes we'll hear a conversation from a waiter or a waitress who's sharing with somebody about how they're struggling. Wow. You know, there's a, golly, what is it? A state farm, I think, insurance commercial where the guy does that. You know, here's the waitress talking about something and he slips a hundred dollar bill in there and his son says, wow, you know, aren't you going to wait for change? And he's like, nah, let's get out of here, you know, and walks out. I mean, what a cool, fun thing to do. Well, hey, here's another story about a waitress being uh, rewarded. And uh, this was sent to us by listener Nicole Robinson. She's very active in the 40 Days Eagles community. But thanks, Nicole, for sending this into my note. Take note because it is a great, this one moved me to tears. Now here, waitress takes time to cut an elderly diner's ham. And as a result of that kind act, it wins her a college scholarship. So here's the deal. Waitress Ivani Williams worked the hectic morning shift at the Waffle House in Lamar, Lamar Key, Texas, saving up for college. So she, there was an elderly man who timidly asked Williams to cut his ham. So she did. Now somebody, unbeknown to either of them, someone snapped a photo that spread across Facebook, social media. Now that gal has a college scholarship. She says, hey, it was I was just doing, you know, he asked me. She's 18 years old. He said, she says, my cook was calling my name to pick up food I had on the board, but I continued to cut his ham. The older patron there, the customer, said he'd been in and out of the hospital for the past five weeks, started with pneumonia. And he says, I can hold a fork fine and dandy, but to cut, it looks like I'm going to stab somebody. And he's been experiencing muscle weakness in his hands. So he just asked timidly if she would cut his ham. Well, she did. Stopped what she was doing. See, he was, she said he was on oxygen, struggling to breathe. So without hesitation, she took his plate, began cutting up his ham. May seem small to him, but I'm sure it was huge. I'm thankful to have seen this act of kindness started my, the start of my day. Oh, the, the, the person posted the picture says, I was thankful to see this act of kindness. We sh- should all be like this waitress. Take time to offer a helping hand. Well, that photo, one of those things you know that happens these days, good or bad, but the photo uh, touched the hearts of a whole lot of people there in her hometown. It got the attention of the mayor, Bobby Hawking, who saw the post on Facebook. Someone tagged me and immediately just touched my heart. It's wonderful that the younger generation cares about the older generation. So he said, you know, hitting the love button on the post wouldn't be enough. Instead, the mayor honored Williams by proclaiming March 8th as Ivani Williams Day. Well, it also caught the attention of Texas Southern University President Austin Lane. That's also right there in that hometown La Marquette, Houston, near Houston, Texas. Well, they thought this is the kind of person, the kind of person, the character we want in students that we have at Texas Southern University. They gave her a $16,000 scholarship. Well, there's a little video of her being presented with that. 
You know, she says she wants to study business administration, maybe one day open up her own restaurant or hair salon. I mean, what a cool story to have that happen. I love those kind of stories. Incidentally, um, Waffle House has some pretty great benefits for workers anyway. I mean, they'll pay full cost for any employee who wants to get their GED. And they've got a tuition reimbursement program. They'll reimburse up to 25% of all college costs for any member, team member who wants to get a job-related certificate or degree. So they've got some things that are, are helpful as well um, for their people. But it's wonderful to see a company and then see somebody who took the initiative to go above and beyond what was expected and to be rewarded for that. Great stories. Thanks for sharing those stories with me as you do every week. You can share your own story of uh, a good deed if you want or a success story. Just shoot that into me at askdan at 48days.com. Well, here's a question. Now, this is the first correspondence I had from this gentleman. He says, I'm in a job. He just, it just, just wrote this. I mean, there, there was no asking for anything. It wasn't really a question. He said, I'm in a job that is being phased out. I'm too old to get a different job. I have a lot of debt with no retirement. And my marriage is falling apart. I wish I had found this site 48 days earlier in life when I could have made a change, made a difference. Now I can no longer go on. Well, an input that we get, an email that ends like that concerns me. So I was alerted to that from my team and I contacted him immediately and got some more information. The gentleman is 64 years old, but yes, the things he's said in there are true. And he said that because he's been in an operations manager for several investment firms for many years. He's got a lot of insurance and financial licenses, but his position's being phased out because of automation. And um, because of some things that he's been through, he just doesn't feel like there's really any hope for him at this point. Well, certainly we're going to help with uh, coaching and resources in that situation. But let me just kind of broaden out because there are probably others of you who are kind of feeling that way as well. Now, again, this gentleman is 64 years old, but I, I hear this from people who are, you know, 47 years old. who say, well, you know, nobody's going to hire me at this point. Well, let's just look at some things here for a little bit. I want to just break out some details here a little bit that may be encouraging to you or somebody you know who is in a situation where maybe you feel like you're really too old to make things happen. Now, to start with, excuse me, to start with, I want to just recap the most recent unemployment stats. Now, this is for February. Here we are in March, just the first couple weeks of March. But in February, the unemployment rate nationally in the United States was 4.1%. It's been there. This is the fifth consecutive month that it's there. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the unemployment rates, but 4.1% is we're at a 30-year low. And to be there consistently for five months is just unheard of. I mean, we're going to set records that haven't been experienced in all of the history of keeping track of unemployment in the United States because 5% unemployment is considered full employment because we know there are going to be at least 5% of the people who are changing. They're looking, they're taking a break. They're looking for new opportunities or whatever. So we consider 5% unemployment to be full employment. It's unhealthy for a lot of people if it's lower than it's at 4.1 percent i mean that's why 
Well, here in Tennessee, our rate is 3.3, which is even lower than that. I mean, that's why you, you can't throw a stone without hitting three signs that say, we're hiring. If you breathe, come on in. I mean, it, it's just everywhere. So that's a good sign. And of course, that's going to impact no matter what age you are, it's going to have a ripple down effect of helping you have opportunities. Incidentally, I also, one of the things I look at in unemployment stats that I get from the Bureau of Labor Statistics every month are what they call marginally attached or discouraged workers. Now, this always blows my mind. Discouraged workers are people who are currently not looking for work because they believe there are no jobs available for them. The government actually has a category of what they describe as discouraged workers. And in the month of February, there were 373,000 people that fell into that category who were no longer even looking because they were so discouraged they didn't think there was anything available for them. Now, incidentally, that number is down by 150,000 people from where it was a year ago in February. So even that category is breaking down. People, well, anyway, I mean, I continue to maintain that if you want to work, you're going to be working because there are just that many opportunities out there. There's a book out there. I'm going to, I'm going to want to give a couple resources here in terms of books. One is titled Over the Hill, But Not the Cliff. Now, it's written by Lori Rassus, who is a New York City employment attorney. And uh, so she deals with this issue, you know, how to get a job if you're over 50. Now, here's why it is an issue. There's a public perception that older job applicants, you know, by some employers, is that people get to a point in their career where they really don't want the additional stress. They're happy to just coast and maybe just retire. Well, to undermine that, if you're 64 years old, you need to show an employer, I'm not done yet. I want to continue to learn and grow and move up. You got to be willing then to talk about things that show you're not over the cliff yet. You're still climbing. Now, is there discrimination against people who are over 50? You know, we could go back and forth on this all day long. But here's the deal. A lot of companies out there see what the job history is of millennials and Gen Xers. You know, we know that the average job tenure for somebody in their 20s at this point in the United States is 13 months. Now, that's not because they're being fired necessarily, but that's because, you know, they work a job for seven months and then they hear that there's great skiing in Breckenridge, Colorado this time of year. They say, man, I'm out of here. You know, and they go and ski for three months and then they come back and look for another job. They're not interested in the long one place, staying there for 20 years and getting a gold watch. You know, they, they don't even care about that. So uh, they come and go. We know that today worker skills tend to be not confined to the machines in a factory, but the skills are very mobile. They're transportable because the skills are largely between somebody's own two ears. So people come and go. Employers see that and they say, wow, I want somebody who has the maturity and the reliability to show up. So I can expect they're going to come in tomorrow, even if the sun is shining or the surf is up. I can expect them to come in. So a lot of companies purposely look for people who are older because they have those kind of mature work characteristics. 
<clears throat> now, she says in this book, again, the book title is Over the Hill, but not the cliff. You can go find that. She says, you know, don't try to hide your age. I mean, sometimes people, you know, they'll leave off uh, certain things like uh, graduation times and that kind of thing. They'll leave that off. Yeah, don't do too much of that. or It'll be, appear that you are trying to hide what your age is. At the same time, you don't want your resume to look like an obituary, you know, where it shows everything for the last 60 years. No, you know, cover the last 10 to 15 years. That's all you need to do. And really more importantly, what you want to cover, I mean, is the last six to 18 months. So you let people know that you are still in the game. It's a couple other things that you want to do. You want to have a presence on social media. I mean, just this week, we had four new applicants for our 48 Days Coaching Mastery Program. And one of the first things that I do is to look at social media. Well, there were two people who I really found nothing there. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't position yourself as a coach and that you can't be a good coach, but it tells me something about a person. It tells me, you know, ah, maybe they're not really up to speed. You know, maybe they're not really aware of the current marketplace. It just raises a red flag. And in talking to those people, we eliminated both of those people as candidates for a coaching mastery program, feeling like they really were not prepared. They really were not in a good place to move into that and benefit from it. In the same way, potential employers, they're going to look out there. Now, do you have to have, you know, 250,000 Facebook likes and 3,000 LinkedIn connections? No. But you ought to have some kind of presence out there that shows that you are up to speed. In the same way, if you say that you know how to use Microsoft Word or you know how to use Excel, wow. I mean, those are so basic that it kind of is going to scream, my gosh, are those the only things this person knows how to use? So you better have some other things that you have on a resume. If you're looking for a position with any kind of leadership or responsibility, you know, so be careful about listing things that we would expect a fifth grader to have on their resume. How do you find companies? Now we know that smaller companies are more likely to hire people who are older. Now there's multiple reasons for that. One is simply that smaller companies are not likely to get as many applicants so you increase your odds by going to them. But again, a lot of them, you know, have more of a family feel. They honor the values the, in terms of family connection, you know, interpersonal skills that somebody may have if they're a little older. So that's another good way, a good way to kind of tailor your job search. But if you're 64 and you want to stay in the game, you certainly can do that. That is not a death knoll by which you will never be able to find a position again. Now, here's another book. There's another book out there that I recommend, and this is called Getting the Job You Want After 50 for Dummies. Carrie Hannon, another lady, is the, is the author of that one, Getting the Job You Want After 50 for Dummies. Again, great 
tips in there about how to do that. Now, I also grabbed just uh, some of the most common old people jobs. Now, you know, I hesitate to even call it that, but you know, and who, who's to decide these days who is old? I mean, my goodness, I talk to people who are uh, 37 who feel like they've missed their best window of opportunity. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You haven't had enough life experience to even know how to ask the right questions yet. You know, hang in there. And that's why I often tell people, especially men, as I work with them in this kind of life transition process, hey, do whatever you want to up until 45 or 50 years old. There's really not many things that I would consider a mistake. If we can at that point sit down and take a fresh look at how God has gifted you, what you want your life to accomplish, what you want your legacy to be, you can go into the most productive 20, 30 years of your life. And that's what we see again and again and again. Those early years in a career, a lot of times the biggest value is simply to help you clarify what it is you don't want to do. So don't think that you're missing your window of opportunity. Now, here's some things that are most common old people jobs. These are these are jobs where we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people being hired who are over 50. Truck delivery and tractor drivers. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. You can look around and certainly doesn't require a lot of stress. So you can get a job as a truck driver. Boom, get your thousand dollars a week, you know, be home on the weekends. I mean, whatever. Uh salespeople. Now this is a big one. This is a repeated. I mean, salespeople, any company out there, if you have good sales skills, good people skills, it can translate into good sales skills. Now, you may be uh, somewhat introverted as an example. You can still be a good salesperson. You may be able to sell MRI machines to hospitals. It's a very high ticket item and you have very low number of target customers. That's a perfect fit for somebody who's more introverted. You do a real detailed prospectus, help the company understand the savings they're going to experience. They take six months and then make a million dollar decision. I mean, that'd be a great position for somebody who, and they're going to take seriously a 25 year old when they're making that kind of a financial decision. No way. So it's to your advantage to have a little chronological maturity and age if you want to have that kind of a a sales position. Nursing aides, secretaries, retail sales clerks, real estate salespeople. I mean, that's a major one for people who are over 50. And you can do extremely well in that arena. I mean, you can get in that and um, not break your back and you know, make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year doing that because you have the personal maturity and credibility of having a little age when you're helping somebody make perhaps the biggest financial decision they're ever going to make in their life. Now, here's the, the, the kind of jobs that are least common for people who are older. Construction work, electricians, computer software developers, carpenters, machine operators, Managers of restaurants and hotels, computer scientists, cooks. Those are some that are least likely to take you in. Now, I also pulled up from the Fiscal Times the 10 best jobs for older Americans. 10 best jobs that they show. Tax preparer. Again, you want to sit down with somebody that's 19 years old? No. So even if you don't have a long history in accounting or financial management, you can position yourself over a brief period of time to help people with their tax preparation. 
Now, number two, project-based consultant. Number three, casino worker. Four, market and survey researcher. Number five, nonprofit fundraiser. Six, travel nurse. Seven, retirement coach. God, we've got several people in our coaching mastery program who are, I shouldn't guess, but certainly who are in their 60s, who realize because of the credibility they have, they can help people who are approaching retirement. Uh, One of our coaches, Barb Barber, coaches people who are having to deal with the issues of their parents needing increased level of care. That's her specialty as that kind of a coach. Well, number eight, Santa Claus. I've got a friend right across the neighborhood here who's a year-long Santa Claus. He has an amazing white beard that he keeps all year long, and that's his full-time gig is as a Santa Claus. Well, number nine, mediator. Number 10, dietitian and nutritionist. All right, well, we're going to move on from that. Now, I know we spent a little more time there than usual, but a valid question, and, and we do have a lot of listeners who are certainly 50 and older, um, we have the the trends in our, our listeners, uh, not the majority there, but certainly a large percentage of our listening audience who's over 50. Golly, I mean, when we look at, I mean, we're told today, I had an interview that I just did where, where the gentleman said, and he is a financial analyst, he said that if somebody is in their 20s today, they have a 50% chance of hitting 100 Golly, think about that. And when we think about the traditional model where people want to retire when they're 62, three, four, or five years old. Wow, if you, do, if you go to the top end of that, you retire at 65, but you're going to live till 100. That's 35 more years. You better figure out something you're doing that maintains a sense of purpose or you're going to tell your body, you might as well go ahead and quit working. And we see that happen again and again. But anyway, I hope that's in, encouraging if you need it. My goodness, I'm going to be coming up with new ideas when I'm 95 years old about the next 20 years. Uh, that's the way I'm wired. Um, may not be as desirable for some of you, but certainly opportunities exist. And increasingly so for those of us who are getting older. Well, Daniel asked, how do I get companies to stop looking at my past work experience? You can't, you shouldn't, you don't. Well, let me, that kind of just popped out of my mouth there. Let me think about this a little bit. He, he says, here's the deal. How do I get companies and people to stop looking at so much of my past work experience and start looking at my passion, my work ethic, and what I can bring to the table so that I can have the opportunity to work hard, dream big, learn to be a great leader, and earn a great income? So he said, I used to be involved in full-time ministry, For the last year, I've been trying to get into the corporate world to gain experience, learn how to be a true leader, reach the income goal that my wife and I have set for ourselves for one year from now. Um, My wife and I dream to be able to have an income that allows us to be very generous with both our time and resources. Now, here's the deal. You know, Daniel, you set the tone for what people are going to hear about, see, and be interested in and want to talk about more. I mean, you really do. So again, if you've got a resume that's just a boring piece of paper that gives a chronological history of what you've done, yeah, that's not going to work well for you. You want a resume to be a sales brochure. You want it to be a tool for getting you where you want to go, just as you described. So you have to have on there. You may not have a whole lot on there about your work history, but you may have on there some projects you've done in the last two years, things that you did that you haven't been paid for, but things you did where you helped 
your your school your where your kids go to school a fundraiser and you raise two hundred thousand dollars and you headed that program up you may have a project that you worked on through your church that was a, a community project where you were able to help 20 homeless people you know get jobs and find housing you may have a blog that you write continuously you might be part of an online community. You might be part of the Rotary Club in your town or part of the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, those are all things where it has nothing to do with specific work history, time that you spent where you got a paycheck, but there are things that you want people to know about you that position you as somebody who dreams big and already has proven skills as a leader. You do that through what you give that company as material to explore about you. So just make sure you're doing that. I think you can move right past this. I don't think this is a, a real roadblock. Uh, you described some things in there that you've done. Uh, again, don't base, don't make this a generality based on your experience with one or two companies. I mean, when we do a job search, I want people to identify 30 to 40 companies that would be a potential match for them. And in doing so, are you going to get two or three no's? Absolutely, you should. But in doing that, you're also going to find those gems that we're looking for, those three or four companies that are saying, in essence, wow, where have you been? How did you know we were looking for you? Well, those are the kind of companies you want to be reaching out to. And if you take the initiative in doing that, wow them with who you are, how you already are acting as a leader, proven results in that, in that space, yeah, you're going to find new opportunities. Okay, this comes from Paul. Paul says, my mother gave me a copy of your book, and after a very confusing and misguided job search, I'm thrilled to have a concrete plan for landing a job that I would enjoy. After researching and compiling a list of potential companies, I'm preparing my intro letter and cover letters, and I'm running into an issue of feeling inadequate from a sales perspective. I'm trying to transition into a field that I do not have experience in, public relations. All right, now let's look at, look, let's talk about public relations for a little bit. I mean, what does public relations require? It requires that you have great personal skills. It requires that you're able to craft a message about the company to get social media awareness. You know, if the company is making barbecue grills, you know, you're somebody who is going to organize giving one of those to the local uh, Big Brothers organization, and then you get a news item as a result of that. I mean, so that's the kind of thing public relations does. So you have, again, you have to show your ability to do that. Show some examples of your having to do that. Now, when you say that you don't have any experience there and you're trying to get into that, I mean, a lot of people are repositioning themselves with their resume and you can do the same. Now, keep in mind though, this is a really valid and important point here in that a lot of companies don't even care about seeing a resume anymore. We know that a lot of companies don't require a college degree. I mean, that's real common knowledge, even major accounting firms and so on. Don't they don't because they don't see a connection between that and somebody who's proven to have value in coming into their company. And a lot of companies have gotten away from the idea of requiring a resume. So you have to have other things that you show somebody that give credibility to what it is that you want to do. This is one of those situations where they can't just look at your job history and say, well, he's never done this. Be creative in how you present yourself. 
Again, it may be in a project that you headed up. It may be in a proposal that you put together for a company. It may be in how you already helped a local organization get public relations notice in the community or how you helped an author or a speaker, you know, get out there. Maybe you helped uh, an author friend of yours put together just a killer book launch party, you know, where you had a hundred people show up and it just really fueled the explosive initial sales of that person's book. Those are the kind of things that, that you do have to have. You have to have something that shows that you are a candidate, but it doesn't have to be traditional paid work experience in order to make that happen. All right, this comes from Roger, who says, I had a scenario that I wanted to run by you. I'm currently located in a city without any industry that I'm interested in. I've applied and been in communications with, man, I'm trying to think, wow, where is a city that I could possibly live in where they have no industry that I'm interested in? Um, don't give your city here, but I'm curious where that would be. Anyway, Roger says, I've applied and been in communication with some companies in other cities, but learned that they were hesitant about the fact that I'm hundreds of miles away and they'd rather have a local who would be available immediately. Option one, I apply for these jobs using your system, trying to juggle logistics for interviews to meet with them, ultimately relocate. I think it is doable, but it may turn off some companies who are looking for local candidates and may get frustrated with spotty availability for interviews. Option B, I quit my current job, relocate to the city with my strongest interest and highest number of opportunities and begin the application process once there. The obvious downside to this option would be that I would not have an income would be going through my savings, but it would allow me immediate and full availability and force me to take massive action. Both options have their pros and cons, but I was wondering whether you had any insight into this issue that must come up all the time for people. I'm leaning toward just moving, using my savings because I'm miserable in my current town, needs something to happen. If you have advice or familiarity with this problem, I would be very interested in what you have to say. Thanks for all the work that you do, Dan. Well, thanks for your question, Roger. Yeah, it's a common question. But now think about, let's think about some of the logistics here about how this unfolds in today's environment. So a company puts out there, they use ZipRecruiter and they are Indeed.com or GlassSealing or whatever. They, they put out there some kind of a job opening. They're going to get applicants instantly from all over the country and literally all over the world. How many companies in today's environment are going to narrow down and say, well, no, this person is more than 20 miles from us, so we're going to eliminate them as a candidate, even though they have stellar credentials for what we want? Not a chance. I mean, companies know people move at the drop of a hat these days. Now, here's another thing. About 90% of the positions that companies are hiring for today are not geographic dependent, meaning you can work for a company if you live in Houston. You can, well, let's see. Obviously, you don't live there because you want, let's say you live in Paducah, Kentucky. <laughs> There's, you live in a city with no industry you're interested in. So we'll pick on Paducah today. And let's say that you see an opportunity for a company in Seattle. There's a high likelihood you could go to work for that company and never relocate. Now, in this case, it seems that you want to, but there are a lot of companies that don't require you to walk in the front door anymore. I mean, hundreds of companies. I mean, um, golly, there are airlines where all of their reservation agents 
work from home and there's, they work all over the country from their homes. They don't go into an office every day. I mean, we could just go down a list of companies that are hiring because it's an advantage for them because they don't have to take up real estate. They don't have to provide electricity or even a computer. They're just giving you an opportunity. So there's that, which means that location is not a big issue for a whole lot of opportunities out there. In addition to that, companies don't limit their search to people who are geographically there. They're open to making it work for interviews. I mean, a lot of them don't even want you to come in for the first one or two interviews. They're going to do, do it via Skype or Zoom. So as long as you have access to that, they'll go right through the interview process. The very last step, meaning they've already, in essence, made the decision to hire you, is where they would want you to come in. So it's just, it's not a problem. That being said, if you're eager to leave where you are and go to a new town, so you're going to have a new burst of enthusiasm, new energy, new motivation, hey, go ahead and make it happen. Now, that's assuming that you don't have a, a family where you're going to be you know, out of food to eat two weeks from now and be in a position of desperation. No, don't do that. But if, if it's just you, if you're single and you want to move and just you know, while you're there, gal, you can pop over to the local Home Depot and be working this afternoon you know, a job that pays you 12 bucks an hour, you can do that for a month if you want to, while you're looking for and readily available for interviews where you are. Sure. Hey, not a problem. Not a problem at all. It's just, you are in the driver's seat. I mean, that's a cool thing about it. You are so in the driver's seat, no matter where you live, no matter what your background, no matter what your age. And those are the three major areas that we've covered today. No matter where you live, what your background is, or what your age is, you are in the driver's seat. You can look for, you can narrow down the kind of opportunities that you want, put yourself in the driver's seat. You can provide that organization, those organizations, don't make it just one, have a broad search criteria by which you have 20 or 30 companies. And you'll find opportunities that everybody else doesn't find. You'll find opportunities those discouraged workers certainly don't find because they've given up because they don't know what you know. You know too much. You know you can do this. You can walk right through the principles here. God, if any of you who wrote questions to me don't have a current copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love, I'd be delighted to ship you a copy immediately to get that in your hands so you can be up to speed in the current job search processes that we know work. We still hear from people every day. Gee, I got three job offers. Which one should I take? I mean, that's a more common question that we're getting than from people who say, gee, nobody's hiring. Yeah, we hear those as well. But we hear from a lot of people who say, man, oh man, I have so many opportunities. I don't know how to make a decision on which one to take. All right. Here's our quotation. Where to come from? Hey, who knows? But this is it. You are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. I hope you believe that. What is your dream for this year? Make that your, make that what it is you want to define. If you're not clear, you know, I got an interview coming up. I'll share with you in a couple of weeks about somebody who has a book out and he's known as the Wizard of Oz, but uh, it's about helping people realize their dreams are too stinking small. Man, you're dreaming too small. What's your dream for this year? Maybe you need to make it bigger than what it's been. Those are the kind of things that get me excited. I hope they do you too. Hey, Jay Lodi, a listener, sent in a little mu- a clip to a, a music, a song 
I'm going to play this as our outro today. You'll understand why. It's by the Dirty Heads, and it's a clip from a song that they call Vacation. vacation every single day cuz i love my occupation hey i'm on vacation if you don't like your life then you should go and change it hey i'm on vacation every single day cuz i love my occupation hey i'm on vacation every single day every every single day Well, there you go. That's the way it ought to be. If you aren't on vacation, it doesn't feel like vacation every day, check out your options. Options all around us. I know you know that. Thanks for being part of this group, growing group, where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.